0: Visit Carvana.com to finance your next car. Financing subject to credit approval. Delivery fees may apply.
1: Five months have passed since Hamas brutally attacked Israel, launching a vicious war for Israel's very survival. As Israel fights for her existence, so many people around the world, even in America, Israel's greatest ally, have turned their backs on the Israeli people right when they need friends the most. Friends like us. The International Fellowship of Christians and Jews is on the ground in Israel, delivering critically needed emergency supplies to those suffering right now. There is an immediate Need for essentials like food, medicine, and emergency supplies for hundreds of thousands of suffering Jews. Many cannot return to their homes because of rocket fire in the north from Hezbollah. Israel is in desperate need, and that's why I'm partnering with the fellowship today. Every donation is urgently needed. To give to IFCJ, visit supportifcj.org. That's one word support ifcj.org your gift will be matched to double in impact and help provide twice the support support ifcj.org god bless and thank you newton group transfer they are here to help you if you're stuck in a timeshare I, these stories from people
2: This is the Jesse Kelly Show.
1: It is a great day on the Jesse Kelly Show. Why is it such a great day? Well, because I'm here. <laughs> what, Chris? What? Sometimes. See, Chris, you don't understand radio. You have to lead people and then just drop them right on their faces like that. (laughs) It is the Jesse Kelly show. We are going to have a blast today. Joe Biden getting pushed around by Russia. Gosh, the CDC director can't explain some very basic things that you would think the CDC director could explain. We have yet another, this is this is rapidly becoming my favorite segment on the show, the Jesse says I told you so segment. I call it another one. Remember? Do you remember when they hacked our oil pipeline and it came out that the company paid millions in ransom right off the bat in cryptocurrency? And you remember what I come on the radio and said? there's a big controversy because I said it. I said the people who own that company who paid that ransom should, number one, they should be arrested. Number two, some very, very dangerous men should be sent over to hunt down those hackers and make sure they don't wake up the next morning. And everybody made me out to be a monster. Well, weird. We have a new development in the whole hacking thing. I will get to that. You know what? I will get to that one hour from now. The Jesse says, I told you so. Don't let me forget, Chris, one hour from now. We have Brandon Darby coming up next hour, our cartel expert. Remember we did our thing yesterday where the cartels were torturing policemen and it's just it's really bad. We're going to ask him what in the heck's going on. All right, but first. They call the Korean War. The Forgotten War for a reason. It. The savagery of the Korean War, the savagery of the fighting, the, the hostile, hostile nature of the terrain, if you read some of these stories, like the, the battle we're going to talk about today, well, two battles kind of, but the, the battles we're going to talk about today, and you say to yourself, man, that's, that's as violent and miserable as combat gets. And yet, how often do we talk about the war in Korea? I mean, look, I, I'm not pointing fingers at you. Believe me, if you're sitting there saying, "Man, you're right," I haven't given that war the respect it deserves. I'm I'm twice as guilty as you. I talk about history every single day, but what do you talk about? I mean, everyone talks about World War II, and now that's understandable. It's not just the biggest war. It's the biggest event by a mile in the history of mankind. So it's understandable. But you go from World War II to Vietnam, World War I, Revolutionary War, Civil War. You skip over Korea. I was thinking about it today. Chris, as you know, I'm a pretty grizzled veteran in the the radio business. What, Chris? I think I've been doing this three years now. Have I done... Even five Korean War stories? I don't think I have, right? I know I've done two or three. You know, I know I've done chosen reservoir and things like that. And don't worry, if you miss those, I'm going to do them again. And Hint, hint, wink, wink. I'm gonna do them a little better next time. I'm not saying anything, just saying I'm going to do them a little better. That reminds me, quick side note here. You have not missed our big announcement. And I finally have somewhat of a date for our big announcement. Shut up, Chris. Somewhat is the best I can do next week. It won't be today. It won't be tomorrow. Next week will be the big announcement to which I know you're saying, Jesse, what day? Tell me it's Monday. I have no earthly idea. It might be Monday. I have no idea. I did get confirmation. We will be announcing next week. Stay tuned to that one. Well, stay tuned for that one. I really need to work on being able to talk. Chris, they say that's a critical part of radio. I had, a, I had a phone call last night, quick side note before I get into my story. Sometimes I get distracted. I had a quick talk last night. Remember, I told you because I don't know what I'm doing, because I've never done this before. I mean, I'm a, I'm a construction guy, a, a RV salesman, a marine, I, I don't do I, I didn't come up in radio. I had another talk with somebody yesterday. He said, so your background's not really the same as everyone else's. (laughs) I said, yeah. Anyway, I told you because I don't know what I'm doing, the radio syndication company I work for, a while ago, they hired a radio coach. And they asked, they said, are you okay if we hire you a radio coach? And I said, why? I mean, I wasn't offended, but I was just curious. They said, well, I mean, the show is really good, but you don't know how to do radio. Like the basics of doing radio, I don't know because no one ever taught me. I just sat down and they turned on a microphone and I started talking. Anyway, so I, I have talks with this guy once every week, and he just he doesn't ever tell me say this, don't say that. It's more uh, adjust this, make sure you give out the phone number here, make sure you give out the but just it's stuff like that, <laughs> it's stuff like that. So last night he was telling me, well, okay, when you say uh, you can get the podcast. You always say the show's podcasted on iHeart, Google, Spotify, and iTunes. And I said, Yeah, that's right. And he said, You know that's not a word, right? You just should say podcast on. And I thought about it for a little bit. I was sitting on the phone and it was quiet. And then I said to him, yeah, I'm not changing. It's podcasted in my mind. And he just you could just you could just hear him just groaning and sighing over the phone, like, this is not working. I'm just at what point does it make? If At this point, if you're still listening to the show, you're not listening for fancy words, all right, with the big air fingers quote. <laughs> all right, that's enough of that. 877-377-4373, Jesse, at jessikellyshow.com. Don't forget, tomorrow, tomorrow, tomorrow's already here, Chris. Tomorrow's an Ask Dr. Jesse Friday for you new listeners and if these absurd download numbers are to be believed we have a lot of new listeners for you new listeners you should know i'm a bad person number 1 number 2 the news sucks bad enough right i mean i'm looking at a list of stories we're going to talk about today and there are like there's like one that makes you feel good the rest of it sucks on friday We just figure on this show that we've all been beaten over the face with bad news for long enough. Our Friday shows are simply your questions, whatever you ask. I know what you're saying. Well, what should I ask? Whatever you want. It does not have to be political. They can be. We always end up getting political questions. It's a political show, so I'll answer some of those on Friday. If you want to talk about history or food or men or women or travel or whatever, send in your questions. If I don't know the answer, I give you my solemn word. I will make up something on the fly and act like it's an absolute fact. And I'm still getting pushback, Chris, from my strategy on taking down a saltwater crocodile. That's because people don't realize the genius behind jumping into the mouth instead of avoiding it. It's the last thing the croc would expect. Back to our show. Korea. Korea kicks off 1950. Well, the Korean War, I should say. And what happened? Why did it kick off? Well, what is communism? You're a Jesse Kelly show listener. What is communism? Is communism a political ideology? No. Communism is a religion. A religion of domination. Communists, no matter what, whether they be in Korea, China, Russia, whether they be on your television, whether they be educating your kids, and they are, communism is a religion of domination and destruction. Communists never get to a place where they look around and say, you know, I think we've taken enough. We're going to talk about that and much more next thing on.
3: Tallying against Russia for this latest ransomware
0: attack? We're looking
1: closely at that issue. Do you think Putin is testing you? No. Oh, clutch. I hope he doesn't really believe that. Good grief. It is the Jesse Kelly Show. 877 377 4373. We're in Korea. Well, kind of in Korea. I guess technically I'm in Houston. I just meant the show itself. We're talking about Korea. The commies invade. North Korea invades South Korea because communism is a religion of domination. And they would never, ever, ever sit there in North Korea, look at South Korea, and say to themselves, oh, we don't need to bother with that. They have their own thing. Communism has to be forever. Everyone, it is a worldwide religion of domination. And how's the war go in the beginning? Well, it's a bit of a yo-yo. The North Korean army simply starts storming through the South Korean army. That's no disrespect to the South Korean army or the South Koreans who they're a great ally of ours to this day. I like South Koreans. But they got their butts kicked. And they get their butts kicked all the way. And finally, America gets there and steps in and does some butt-kicking of our own. So we push the North Koreans back out of South Korea, clear up into North Korea. And then that piece of subhuman scum, Mao Zedong, sends his commie hordes from China back down into North Korea. And they push us all the way back down. And soon... What do we have? Well, we have kind of a countrywide version of World War I. What do I mean by that? Well, they're all stuck in the north, and we're all stuck in the south. The country is essentially divided in half. There are so many of them in the north, and they're so well fortified that we can't really do much offensively without suffering massive loss of life. And let's pause on that for just a moment. Just a moment. America didn't have the political capital either at this time to handle a huge loss of life in a war. Remember, see, because it's the forgotten war, we lose sight of things. We're talking about 1950 when this war kicks off. Anyone know when World War II ended? 1945, five years is nothing, nothing. Five years ago, Donald Trump was elected president of the United States. That's how soon five years ago. Does that bring it home for you? Think about an event like World War II with all the loss of life over 400,000 Americans dead several more than that wounded and mentally shattered and and the country's wealth and, and think America just got done with that when you get done with trauma like that nationwide trauma like that you just you don't have an appetite for anymore for a while maybe a generation or generations so when we went into Korea, we had to sell the American people on us being there anyway. And the problem is, oftentimes, if you have to sell something, you're not going to be able to sell something. If you have to sell the people on why they have to go to war in a place they don't know or care about, that's going to be a tough sell Post-World War II. What I mean is by 1953, we're three years into the Korean War. They're dug in 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 the North. We're dug in in the South. They can't really make inroads in the South. We can't make inroads in the North without massive loss of life. By this point in time, the war is, by all intents and purposes, over. When I say over, I mean this. They know they're not going to be able to take over South Korea. We know we're not going to, as a nation, take the loss of life that would come from taking over North Korea. So what are we doing? What are we doing here, right? We're still we're spending all this money. We still do have people dying because, as we're about to talk about, there are still little battles going on. We have, we have men dying still, and we're spending a fortune, and Why? I've always thought this is one of the most cruel things in life. In fact, what we're going to talk about today. Why are we still doing this? Why haven't we already signed an agreement? Well, ego plays a big part of it. The details play a big part of it. How many people have you seen go through a divorce? Or maybe you've personally gone through a divorce. What got you? Was it the decision to divorce? I realize that's a major decision, but was it the decision to divorce? Or was it the details? Who gets the kids for how long? Who gets the car? Who gets the dog? Who gets this? Who gets that? By the grace of God, I haven't gone through one myself, but I know several people who have. It's always the details that get you. But we're three years into the war and the thing's going nowhere. Negotiations are already ongoing, though. It's not as if we're still... In this war footing where the sides aren't talking, the sides are having big meetings, big corporate-like meetings. Let's sit down and talk. I want this. I want that. No, you can't have this. How dare you? That kind of stuff. Now, when it comes to things like war, you and I can get a false impression of something. When troops are in an area. When troops have control of an area, and this, this goes for modern day, this goes for Roman times, this goes for everything. They don't occupy each and every inch of an area. You occupy certain strategic points, and that gives you control of an area. What are strategic points? Well, a bridge or a specific area where it's easy to cross a river. That's a strategic point. A mountain pass where if you're going to drive through it, this is the only way through. That's a strategic point. And almost always, I mean, pretty much universally, strategic points when it comes to battles are hilltops. You want to be high. No, not like Portland high. You want to be high as you can because you want to observe things around you. And it's easier to fight and shoot downhill than it is uphill. Hills are just simply nature's own fortresses. And there was a hill. This hill was officially known as Hill 255. Why do these places always have numbers on them? Well, if you've ever seen a military map of an area, which I have, they just simply number everything to figure out where people are. This hill had a different name, though, beyond 255. You see it was right on the 38th parallel. That means it was right on the border between the north and the south. This hill was called Porkchop Hill. Now, I wish I could tell you there was some really, really cool story behind how it got the name Porkchop Hill. But the truth is, you could go look at it right now. It just kind of looks like a pork chop. So they looked at it and called it Pork Chop Hill. Look, when you're in combat, you're bored and you do all t- kinds of stupid things and say all kinds of stupid things. Now, what did it look like up on Pork Chop Hill? That's what we need to discuss next. And again, I want you to keep this in mind as we go through the blood and the mud and the trenches and everything else next, which I'm going to do. Keep in mind, all the sides know the war is already over. The war... Is already over. They're quibbling over the details while men are dying. We're going to talk about that. And we're going to get to this ransomware stuff and what's coming here. Hang on. the jesse kelly show 877 jesse at jesse kelly show.com remember tomorrow's an ask dr jesse friday get your ask dr jesse emails in now we already have a bunch a bunch set aside great questions it's going to be a fun fun day tomorrow we are going to talk about the uh whole ransomware thing, cybersecurity thing today. And don't worry, on my life, I will not make it tedious and technical and boring so you can't understand it. There is something about technical people, they are completely incapable of dumbing things down so people can understand them. And it drives me up The wall. So when we talk about the hacking and stuff like that today, understand I'm not knowledgeable enough about the technical stuff to make it confusing. So you're fine there. But I've told this story before, just really briefly. I'm not going to call him out by name. But I had a guest on one of my shows one time. I'm not even going to tell you whether it was my TV show or radio show, but I had a guest on one of my shows. And he kept using the word blockchain. I uh, blockchain and blockchain this and blockchain that. And so I say to the guy on air, on air, because I know I can see people, especially people over 40, their eyes rolling back in their head. They don't, I say, okay, so I want you to pretend that I was just born yesterday. I, I, I'm an alien. I just teleported to, to planet Earth. And I have no idea what blockchain is or what that word means. Could you please explain it to me and on my life? He says to me on the air, this was his explanation. Oh man, it's like March madness, man. Oh okay. I are you are you done? Like that was the explanation? That there's something about technical people that can't explain things. So we're gonna talk about this today in a way, in a way we can all understand, including me. Back to our story. In Korea, Hill 255, pork chop hill. Understand what the top of the hill looks like. The top of the hill is all trenches and bunkers because when you take these hills, you take them and you fortify them. And the fortifications only get better over time. Part of that is because you want to be safer. And part of that is they never, when you're in combat, really when you're in the military, period, especially when you're in the infantry. They never, ever, 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 ever want you sitting around idle, not doing anything. It's one thing you figure out very early on. You'll you'll have, you know, you'll take a minute. Everyone will sit around and they'll look and think to themselves, oh no. This is trouble. And they're 100% right, by the way. You get a bunch of 18, 19-year-old testosterone-filled men sitting around bored, oftentimes with weapons and high explosives at their disposal. That, in general, is not a great, safe place to be. So they find things for you to do. Well, if you're dug in on a hill in Korea in 1953, and you have some trenches and bunkers, and you're not being attacked for weeks or months at a time, We got to do something, Uh, dig some more trenches, Uh, 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 this bunker, make it twice as big. Like, that's what you do. So over time, it's getting very, very, very well fortified. Now, the thing about places like this, because, again, it's right on the border between North and South Korea, you always, when we're talking about taking strategic places, you want to make sure your strategic place never, ever, 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 ever Becomes an island. What I mean by that is this. You want to make sure you're always in direct communication with the next strategic place so they can help you if you get in trouble. And you can help them if they get in trouble. Getting cut off is a death sentence. Well, the next place over next to Hill 255 next to Pork Chop Hill was a place called Old Baldy. It's just, a, it's just a hill. You can figure out why they called it Old Baldy. Look, hey, I, it's starting to get thin up top on mine, too. Look, it's father time waits for no man, Chris. Anyway, Old Baldy ends up falling to the Chinese. The Chinese storm it and take it. Now, this is kind of odd because, again, discussions, agreements. We're trying to figure out how to end this war, but China takes it. Well, China takes it. And then China starts looking around at this pork chop hill where the Americans are dug in. And they don't necessarily want to attack it right away, but the negotiations have stalled a little bit. China and North Korea are feeling a little bit disrespected in the negotiations, and what they want now is to send a message that, hey, don't think there were some pushover here that you've defeated. So they've taken old baldy and they start probing Pork Chop Hill. Let's send a couple dudes up there. See what happens. Let's drop a little artillery up there. See what happens. They start probing it. And they start liking what they see. Why do they like what they see? Because it's cut off now. It's alone. The men on top of Hill 255 are alone. China attacks. They launch a massive attack. And these attacks are so brutal because you have to fight up the hill, through the wilderness, and then into the trenches, and then in the trenches and off the trenches are bunkers. So we're not talking about – I mean, look, it's not like any combat is beautiful. But it is one thing to snipe a guy from 300 yards away. It is quite another to have a bunker there, which is essentially a room. Picture your bedroom at midnight with all the lights out, Someone in there has a gun and a knife, and wants you dead, and you have a gun and a knife and want them dead, and you charge into the room. That's what fighting is like in trenches and bunkers. It's bayonets, it's knives, it's grenades, it's 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 as fierce a fighting as you can have. And China attacks with so many people, they actually take the hill. Americans are immediately ordered to counterattack, which they do. And they have some of the most vicious fighting in the history of country, the country, and they take the hill back. How vicious is it? Well, the company that retook the hill started out with 135 men. How many of those 135 do you think were casualties? 125. When I say vicious, I mean it's horrible. It's absolutely horrible. America ends up retaking the hill and holds it, but they've lost. I mean, there were so many silver stars and things like that handed out. It's just brutal. So America finally sends reinforcements. Now, fast forward. That was in April. Fast forward to July. They're still trying to come to an armistice agreement, and they're still not getting all the details. Uh, this, this country feels disrespected and they don't like this and these guys don't like that and so on and so forth. China decides, you know, we know that pork chop hill really well. We already took it very briefly once before. Let's teach these Americans a lesson. So if there's one thing China always has an advantage on, It's the number of bodies they can put in the field. China's going to have a manpower advantage. That comes with having over a billion people in your country. China decides they're going to throw a human wave at the Americans. And when I say human wave, I mean they outnumbered the Americans on the hill five to one, which you can do if you're the attacker. Because remember, we're talking about the top of a hill. There's only so much room. You would have a platoon up there or a company up there. But other than that, you can't support a division on top of the hill. China decides they're going to take the hill. What comes next? Well, hang on. I'll get to that. And then we'll get to this hacking stuff next is he smarter than everyone who knows does he think so yeah The Jesse Kelly Show. It is the world famous Jesse Kelly Show with me, Jay Steele Kelly. I can give myself nicknames and go by whatever I want, Chris. I can even change my middle name. You know what's going to be ridiculous? When I actually officially change my middle name to Steele. <laughs> we should totally do that. You know what? I have to do that just because of this. How worth it it'll be to try to explain to my father that I changed my middle name to steel and why I changed it to steel because he's such a rough, you know, hard as nails dude anyway. Dad, so I changed my middle name to steel. Why? Well, because it was I thought it was funny when I said it on the radio. You think that's funny? It'll be the best. It'll be it'll totally be the best. 877 <laughs> 877- Jesse at (laughs) jessikellyshow.com. All right, let's finish up our story here before we get to another prediction I'm gonna make off of a prediction I've already made. There's a reason they call me the Oracle. I don't care that I gave myself that nickname. Back to Korea. China does swarm the hill. They swarm the hill. With an overwhelming amount of men. Simply way too much for us to handle. And they do it smartly. The first thing they do is cut off the last communication we had. So our men are now on top of this hill against 5-1 to odds with the Chinese hordes swarming towards them. There is such brutal fighting once again in the trenches. There's the kind of fighting where, and this is... I mean let's not let's not lose sight of this. When we talk I mean we just had our Memorial Day show and we're talking about the forgotten war Korea now. There were situations, multiple situations on top of Pork Chop Hill when the Chinese were taking it back where we had to leave men behind. And there were situations on that hill where men multiple times men would volunteer to stay behind and die so their friends could escape. You know, how brave do you have to be to do something like that? I think about those guys a lot when I think about our heroes. When you're facing an enemy and you're in a fight and bullets are flying and you're scared and people are dying and screaming and there's blood and guts and and you know you're going to die if you stay there any longer, but you know someone has to stay and hold them off for your buddies to live and you to simply raise your hand and say, guys, go on. I'll stay. The reason it's so scary, the reason it blows me away that men do that is not only are you going to die, you're going to die the way nobody wants to die, you're going to die all alone, surrounded by, I mean, in your mind, monsters. You're going to die swarmed by monsters, and mended it multiple times making sure our American forces on top of Porkchop Hill were not completely wiped out took them five days, to the credit of our men it took them five days to take this hill from us, five days of fighting with knives in the trenches, and bunkers how about that for a forgotten war we don't pay enough respect to now All is not lost. There is a final happy ending to this story here. We didn't just spend the five days shooting down the hill at the Chinese. We spent five days booby-trapping those bunkers for when the Chinese took them over. We left them a few surprises on top of the hill. And, and this is probably my favorite part, once we left, we simply left We abandoned the hill and cleared out completely. Like We didn't stop at the bottom of, we'll be right back. We just cleared out completely because we had a plan. The plan was, let's just send in our heavy bombers and bomb those Chinese who took that hill to smithereens. They essentially took the top of the hill off (laughs) and laid waste to them. Now, for the not so great part, three weeks after this, three weeks. Weeks after this is over, the war ended. Final agreement signed, the war ended. I mean, I know, don't write me saying technically the war is still going on. I understand that. But the war ended three weeks later. And this is something I struggle with, something I assume we all struggle with. Is every battle worth it? Does every battle have to have strategic significance to make it worth fighting? This was not a hill of any significance. We could have just walked off it and said, have at it, China, enjoy. We didn't, though. Is that the right thing to do or the wrong thing to do? And the reason I bring this up is this. We look around now, you and I look around at our culture right now in America, and it's really not questioned. Whether it's rotted out filth. It's everywhere. The culture is rotted out filth now. How many battles do we fight? Which battles do we abandon? Let's talk about that next. The Jesse Kelly Show, Eight seven seven three seven seven four three seven three. Jesse at jessekellyshow.com. We have a packed show. We have Brandon Darby coming up in about 30 minutes from now. He's our cartel expert. Why is the Jalisco cartel torturing federal police officers? What? Is this just standard business down there now, or is there something weird? We have a valedictorian... In Michigan, having her speech censored because it was too Christian. And Robert Mueller, remember Robert Mueller? That civil servant, just a man out to do the right thing with the two-year witch hunt? You're not going to believe what Robert Mueller's up to next. All that's coming up on The Jesse Kelly Show.
3: Russia for the latest ransomware attack? We're looking closely at that issue. Do
0: you think Putin is
3: testing you?
1: No. It is the Jesse Kelly Show. 877-377-4373. Jesse at jessekellyshow.com. Remember, we got Brandon Darby coming up about 25 minutes from now. Our cartel expert. This dude... This dude went into Mexico in the trunk of a car undercover to talk to sources. That's how in-depth this guy is. He knows more about the cartel than anyone I've ever talked to, and I talked to a lot of people who know a lot about the cartels. We'll talk about that in just a few. As you well know, I, I'm a humble person. I don't I don't try to exalt myself in any way. What kind of a shogun would exalt himself, right? So when I'm right about something, it's actually a burden for me. What, Chris? To come on the radio and tell you I told you so. But I just want to – I'm not going to go back and play the clip because I know you'll remember. I want you to remember what I said as soon as that company our, – our oil pipeline was hacked, as soon as that company – Paid a ransom. Do you remember what I said? I came on the air and said it. I said it several times. I said, that company, people, it's such a big deal that they paid that ransom. Whoever paid it should be not, not fined or should be arrested and thrown in prison. And America should send dangerous men to track down those hackers and make sure they never exist anymore that is not out of revenge none of that's out of revenge not because i'm not because i'm specifically mad at the company or not because i'm specifically mad at the hackers it has nothing to do with even the oil pipeline you have to do that for the future for what comes next you have to do that so the next company that even considers paying off hackers they don't do it because they don't want to go to prison and you have to send dangerous men to go put those foreign hackers in the ground. Why? Not because you want someone to die. Because you want the next hacker who consider- considers it to say to him or herself, well, I can't do that. I'm not going to look over my shoulder the rest of my life waiting for an American assassin's bullet. So I won't. You don't do the things I talked about because of revenge or eye for an eye. That's not what I'm saying. You do it so that stuff stops happening to your nation. Period. End of story. When the time comes, when I discipline my sons, whatever that may be, we don't spank them anymore. We certainly did. Look, you raise your kids how you want. We spanked our kids. In fact, we could use a lot more spanking in this world. But anyway. We spanked our kids. We don't anymore, but they still have punishment, whatever hurts the most. Honestly, part of the reason we don't spank them now is they're too old. They wouldn't care. I mean, it would hurt for a minute, but they're boys. They'd be like, oh, nice. I made it. Whatever. Just don't take. We take away things they love now. Whatever you enjoy doing, I'll destroy it. But I don't punish my kids, or at least I I take that back. I try not to punish my sons out of anger for what they did. I punish my sons because I want it driven into their tiny little undeveloped minds that this is going to result in me being hurt. I don't want to be hurt anymore. I don't want a uh, video game time cut off. So I'm not going to do that stupid thing that made dad mad ever again. It's about the future. As soon as they paid off that hacker, I came behind the microphone and I said to you Get ready, buckle up, because now we—it it is going to be open season on America's critical infrastructure because the hackers around the world know if you hack America's critical systems, we won't send a bullet, we'll send a pallet full of cash. We sent a signal to the world, please hack us, we'll pay you for the pleasure. And what do you know? The largest beef producer in America has been hacked. 20% of America's beef production is down. You understand we were already in a major, major problem when it comes to supply chain stuff anyway, right? And you understand why that is? Allow me to take a brief moment and tell you why we were already in trouble. You see, so much of what you buy is trucked to where you buy it from. It's brought in on trucks. Well, during our idiotic nationally suicidal coronavirus lockdown stuff, what we did was we put a bunch of truckers out of work by shutting down all these businesses. Well, who wasn't out of work? Who? What companies didn't shut down? Amazon. Lowe's. Target. All the big box stores that were allowed to stay open. Well, if you're a trucker and you had to stop delivering to here, but Amazon hired you up like that, you're now an employee of Amazon. You're not just biding your time to go back to trucking what you did. So we already had a massive trucking shortage when it came to things like groceries, chickens and beef and things like that. Now you've further hurt the food supply in the country. The cost of beef is going to go up. It's going to be all kinds of supply chain problems and these are russian based companies fbi says today ransomware group revil revil but the re is capitalized i don't know they're computer nerds who knows you can't understand that revil and so do nokibi I really, really hope that's not Russian for some sort of cuss word because I just read that out loud on the air, and I don't want to get in trouble with the FCC, but those are the two ransomware groups responsible for the cyber attack on the meat producer, the meat producer's GBS, in case, or JBS, in case you're wondering. Okay. We just saw what happened after we paid off the last guy. How are we going to handle this one? What are we going to do? These people are not going to stop unless we stop them. And understand how much of our infrastructure is online. All of it. All of it. If we're going to tell the world you can hack away and attack away and we won't do anything about it, we are very quickly going to be a nation without food and power. I'll put it to you that way. And I asked a uh, cybersecurity guy about this yesterday. He's one of these cybersecurity experts. I'm not going to go into the details of it. I don't know that I'm allowed to. But I had a chance to sit down with this guy. And he said, look, you have to understand what's happening here. The Biden administration is not addressing this. And he's actually not a Republican either. This guy I was talking; to. he's not a Democrat either. He's just just a cybersecurity guy. And I said, so I, I'm trying to dig into details. I said, hey, wh- what do you mean they're not addressing it? He said, you don't understand. They're not addressing it at all. They're not digging into the problem at all. To which I responded, well, why? I mean, these huge, you know, changes in gas prices and beef prices they look they look really bad for for the Biden administration. And all we've heard out of the Biden administration is stuff like this. These
0: hackers based in Russia have
1: disrupted American gas supplies and American meat supplies. Mm -hmm. Why do you think that these ransomware attacks have been rising since President Biden took office?
2: Well, first, I would say these are private sector entities uh, who have a responsibility to put in place measures to protect their own cybersecurity as it relates to why criminal actors are taking actions against private sector entities. I don't think I'm the right one to speak to that. A total
1: coincidence.
2: I think you could certainly go track down those uh, cyber criminals in Russia and have a, a good chat with them.
1: Oh, yeah, we have more. I'm not done.
0: we recognize that victims of cyber attacks often face a very difficult situation and they have to just balance often the cost benefit when they have no choice with regard to paying a ransom. Colonial is a private company
1: and will defer um, information regarding their decision on paying a ransom to them. Oh, sounds like we're all over it. Good job, Biden administration. <laughs> it's the Jesse Kelly Show. 877-377-4373. Jesse at com. Back to my conversation I was having yesterday with a cybersecurity guy. I can't I can't go into the details of it. Again, not a Republican, not a Democrat. He said the Biden administration is simply washing their hands of it. They're not addressing it. To which I responded, that's insane. It hurts. And look, even if you go under the, even if you're under the impression, and I am, that they are all about politics and all they care about is power and keeping power and getting elected. Even if you're under that impression, it doesn't help you get reelected when gas goes to four dollars a gallon and nobody can afford to buy hamburger anymore. I would, when the day comes that I can't afford hamburger helper, there will be hell to pay, Chris. <laughs> don't don't tell me you don't like hamburger helper, Chris. Did you just say it's okay? Do you even white trash, bro? I, I can't be the only white trash person on this radio show. All right. Anyway, we'll get into that later. Don't distract me. He said, it's, you have to understand, Jesse, the people around Biden. And again, I can't stress this enough. This was not a Republican. He's not a Democrat either. He's just, he's just a cybersecurity expert. He said, the people around Biden. They're not only Obama's former people, they are Obama's completely committed ideologues. They wouldn't even, the people making decisions on behalf of this country at the highest level wouldn't even consider slowing down on their communist agenda to address something like gas prices or beef prices. It wouldn't even enter their minds. They don't care. They don't even necessarily – these are not people who necessarily he, – he, this is his words, not mine. He said, you don't understand. These people around Biden, they don't care if he gets reelected. They don't care if Kamala gets reelected. He said the way this world works is all the people on the Democratic side, as soon as they're done in government – They'll go right back to a $200,000 a year media job or $300,000 a year professor job until the next Democrat gets elected and brings them right back in. They don't care about the next election at all. How frightening is that? These people don't care about the next election at all. All they care about is bringing America to its knees. They couldn't possibly care less about Colonial Pipeline shutting down power. They couldn't care less that you can't afford beef. They'll just have all their lackeys in the media tell you to go vegan for some stupid reason. They don't care. They're not slowing down. They're not stopping for anything. Understand this. And when I say this, I mean it 100%. I'm not trying to be over the top. If a... Nuclear weapon went off tomorrow in Los Angeles. Pick your number two, three, four million Americans dead. If a nuclear weapon went off tomorrow morning in Los Angeles, it wouldn't slow down the American communists for five seconds. You can say that's wrong, or Jesse, you don't, I don't believe you. If you think that, then you have severely, severely underestimated your enemy. These people, if a nuclear bomb went off in Los Angeles tomorrow, the next day you would have a $5 trillion pork-laden piece of legislation that was sold to the American people as, quote, helping out Los Angeles, and the entire bill would be a gigantic payoff to Democrat constituents. These people do not care. And that's what's so, it's hard to accept that. Especially, especially for older Americans, it is harder to accept that. And when I say older, I don't, I'm not doing that thing where I point fingers, oh, you're so old and stupid. I mean, you came from an era when Democrats were patriots. I mean, look, you can hate uh, John F. Kennedy all you want. I understand he had, obviously, some personal things you don't necessarily want your husband or father to have. I, I get that. I'm not not pointing fingers. I'm not judging the man either. You know, what right do I have to judge anyone? But you can't challenge John F. Kennedy's patriotism. The man is a war hero. The man stood up all the time and talked about the greatness of America. If you're an older American it's simply it's simply very difficult for you to accept the Democrats hate this country now. Hate this country now. And and look, 25-30% of Republicans do too. And another 25-30% of Republicans are too weak to stand up against the ones who hate it. That that's a bitter pill to swallow. If you're an American who grew up Thinking that your leaders were patriotic in the very least, in the very least, at least they'll all do what they think's best for America, right? Those days are gone. Those days are gone. They're not doing what's best for America anymore. That's the past. This is this stuff. This is the past.
3: Explorer George Mallory who was to die on Mount Everest, was asked why did he want to climb it. He said, because it is there. Well, space is there, and we're going to climb it. And the moon and the planets are there. And new hopes for knowledge and peace are there. And therefore, as we set sail, we ask God's blessing on the most hazardous and dangerous and greatest adventure on which man has ever embarked. Thank you.
1: Hate the man all you want. That's a Democrat. I want you to... You know what, Chris? Do we have time? I want you to play this again. And I want you to do the best you can right now as you listen to this again. I want you to imagine a single Democrat outside of Tulsi Gabbard maybe talking like this today.
3: Many years ago, the great British explorer George Mallory, who was to die... On Mount Everest, was asked why did he want to climb it. He said, because it is there. Well, space is there. And we're going to climb it. And the moon and the planets are there. And new hopes for knowledge and peace are there. And therefore, as we set sail, we ask God's blessing on the most hazardous and dangerous and greatest adventure on which man has ever embarked.
1: Name the Democrat besides Tulsi Gabbard who would utter those words today. I understand if you're an older American and maybe a Democrat. I understand we have Democrats that listen to the show, especially older ones, not so much the younger nutballs, but the older ones. I understand you, you want to imagine that's who Joe Biden is, and that's who the party still is. Those people are gone. Joe Biden isn't running anything, even if that's who he was. Joe Biden's gone. The full-blown communists now run your party. And they're not in it to just simply change a couple little things about the direction of America. They're in it to wreck the place. Why do Democrat policies wreck the country? Why do they wreck the country? Because that's the idea. That's the idea. That's hard to accept. You better get there, or we're never gonna win. Let's talk to Brandon Darby about the cartels next. Hang on. Time to talk to the expert joining me now. Cartel Chronicles man with Breitbart, Brandon Darby. Dude should have won a Pulitzer a long time ago. I've said that a million times, but I don't think that's ever going to happen. Brandon, first of all, uh, up until about yesterday, I thought Jalisco's were those delicious little jalapeno things you can get on your burger at Dairy Queen. But apparently it's a cartel that is torturing federal police officers. Why?
4: Yeah, so so. The Jalisco cartel um, is actually a breakaway of the Sinaloa cartel. So you have uh, the Sinaloa federation, and then one of the factions of that federation decided to uh, become their own cartel instead of, you know, uh, being a region that was, you know, had allegiance to the Sinaloa, and they have become a very brutal cartel. Uh, uh, cartel Jalisco has, uh, uh, you know, is trying to take over the country. Um, and they're very brutal in how they do things. Uh, they're not, uh, you know, not that Sinaloa is a, is sweet and gentle like a teddy bear, but they're definitely, they tend to do things in a, in a way that, that secures their long-term profit sustainability meaning they're not gonna go too far one way or another. They're, they're trying to move drugs. You, you generally see in their territory they're not moving as many migrants. They're mainly focused on drugs because they know that if they move too many migrants, it's gonna increase the cameras, it's gonna increase the news coverage, and it's gonna increase the amount of security on the border. So they generally stay away from that, uh, uh, and and they generally stay away from things that are gonna bring too much attention upon them. Uh, but Jalisco is not doing that. Jalisco is trying to make a name for itself, and it's being quite brutal in the process.
1: Brandon, why why deal with migrants at all? I understand there's money in it, but if you're looking at from a purely cold-hearted cartel point of view, if it's going to bring more cameras, it's going to bring more heat, even young, hot-headed guys surely are smart enough to realize probably not worth it, I'll stick with meth or whatever it is they're selling.
4: Well, m- many of those groups, so now we're talking about the Gulf Cartel or Los Etas, uh, you know, um, uh, CDN, but we, we still call them Los Etas. Um, You're talking about ga- uh, criminal organizations that have younger males, younger men in positions of leadership, and they believe that they're going to die. Most of them are high on cocaine, uh, and they, they think they're going to die soon anyway. So for them, it's just about having as much power and money as they can have right now. And so some of these groups do not have as much access to cocaine as the Sinaloa you know, cartel would have. They do not have as much access to other drugs as the you know some of the more uh, I, I can't say established, but some of the larger cartels have. And so they're like, hey, we don't have to work out a deal with these cartels and make the money off of cocaine. We'll just bring migrants, and and yeah, it's going to cause problems for you know two months down the line. But I'll probably be dead in two months. What do I care? I just want my money now, and that's a very dangerous situation uh, on our border when you have cartels that are thinking that way, right? That, that are not caring about tomorrow because traditionally that's one of the mechanisms by which we 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 hope that terrorists, right, like uh, yeah. terrorists from the Middle East, that they don't come in is we're like, well, the cartels wouldn't allow that because they know it will hurt their long-term profit sustainability. Um, but now that we see those behaviors. Where they're saying hey we don't care about tomorrow all we care about is today well now all bets are off and it's a very dangerous proposition
1: do we have some kind of knowledge i should say we do you have some kind of knowledge or intelligence that maybe that terrorism thing is possibly ramping up do we have any indication of that
4: well it's a tricky thing you know since uh i think we we obtained data in 2014 i believe it was from 14 that showed the number of people um, who were coming into the U.S. from the Horn of Africa and other her- terror t- hotbeds. Um, and then the United Nations Office of Drugs and Crime put out a report showing that many people from the Horn of Africa and from the Middle East were going into Central America, and then they were taking the same routes that migrants from Central America were taking to get into the United States. Now, that doesn't mean that they're terrorists, though, right? Like, So we don't know. That's just the thing is we just don't know, um, who all is coming from those regions of the world. It could be majority, it could be people who are trying to get away from that stuff. We just don't know. But that's the problem is we don't know and we have vast swaths of our border that are unsecured. Uh, we published data in, I believe, 2015 or 16, um, and it was from the, the FBI, it was FBI data that, that was leaked to us. Uh, from another law enforcement agency, and it showed the number of known or suspected terrorist encounters along the southern border. That was one part of the data set, and it had a map showing where they were. They were in remote regions, but what isn't known is were those people who were suspected or known terrorists from the Middle East, or were those people who were part of some militia group that were on the terror watch list. We just don't know because it didn't specify. So we can't really say that that happens. But we can say that there are a lot of people from those regions of the world who are coming to our southern border, some turning themselves in, some t- clearly trying to sneak in and get past uh, our security and not turn themselves in, which is concerning. And And we just don't know. That's the that's the biggest problem.
1: How do they catch them at the border, Brandon? I mean, how sophisticated it is it? I understand there are probably things you can't say, but okay, they have a terror watch list. Is every guy, you know, put in a lineup as we thumb through a big binder of people on the terror watch list? Is there facial recognition software? How are they catching them?
4: Well, there's all types of software being used, and we can see from open source reports uh, that there's everything from, you know, advanced cell phone data uh, utilized to. I mean, there's all types of information that's utilized. When when people come through Central America, we have relationships with Mexico, uh, uh, you know, on, on its southern border, um, and they they try to help us identify if people are coming this way that that maybe shouldn't. They're interviewing people. We're doing everything imaginable, um, except you know, except for building barriers in remote areas and increasing the technology. We have drones that fly overhead that try to spot people coming. But the problem is, is when when there's so many people coming who are family units, then all of those border security assets are are busy dealing with, you know, children and women and children who are showing up at the border. And they're not uh, as free to to monitor and to apprehend the the two or three individuals who we see crossing at the same time, if there 's a group of thirty and twenty of them are children, and then there 's a group of two men going another direction they 're going to prioritize the group of thirty and the children and and that is something that cartels are using to sneak people in, whether they 're drug runners or whether they 're just people with felonies or whether they're who knows who they are we don 't know, and that 's the problem that that 's one of the the, the big problems with having a border that is largely unsecured um, is that we just don't know, right? We just don't know what, what all is happening. Um, and, you know, that's why folks like myself have advocated for a long time that we, we should build barriers to slow people down, build more roads so Border Patrol agents can access the border, um, but that's not really happening now. That was happening under the Trump administration on a minuscule level, and I don't blame Trump for that. I, I think that he had a lot of opposition, but it's definitely not happening now. And we see some reports in media, Fox put it out, and said, hey, you know, Biden's building the border wall again. And that's not actually accurate. What they're doing is they're shoring up some levees uh, for flood control, and that's not a border wall. Um, so, you know, this administration is not going to be one where we're going to see an increase in in security that is actually effective.
1: Brandon Darby, everyone, go read all of his stuff if you want to get smarter. Cartel Chronicles. Brandon, I appreciate you, my brother. Thank you. We just don't know. Man, isn't that isn't that incredible? Most powerful, advanced country in the world. We don't know who's crossing our southern border. That is that is. Look, one thing I do know, if we don't know who's crossing our southern border, it's because we don't want to know. We are going to talk about this lady who was too Christian for someone next.
3: Some say the moon. Why choose this as our goal? And they may well ask, why climb the highest mountain? Why 35 years ago, fly the Atlantic? Why does Rice play Texas? We choose to go to the moon. We choose to go to the moon. We choose to go to the moon in this decade and do the other things. Not because they are easy, but because they are hard. Because that goal will serve to organize and measure the best of our energies and skills. Because that challenge is one that we're willing to accept. One we are unwilling to postpone. And one we intend to win. And the others too.
1: Those Democrats are gone. It is the Jesse Kelly Show. 877 377 4373 Jesse at jessikellyshow.com. Tomorrow's an Ask Dr. Jesse Friday. It's going to be a fun day. Email me your questions. It doesn't have to be politics. It could be history, food, whatever. Whatever's on your mind. Men, women, whatever's on your mind. Stupid, ridiculous animal fights and survival scenarios. I already told you how to defeat a saltwater crocodile. I don't care that there's some dispute over my technique, Chris. Email me whatever you want. Also, you did not miss the big announcement. I do finally have a rough time for the big announcement. It won't be today or tomorrow. It'll be next week. I finally got word yesterday. Next week will be the big announcement, and it is significant. So stand by for that one. Now, let's set all this stuff aside and go to a couple emails before we get to this Michigan valedictorian. Jesse, as I was listening to your show on Wednesday... As I was listening to your show on Wednesday, you sneakily dropped that beep Frito Bandito bowl beep. Just as I, I'm really editing this email on the fly, by the way. Just as I had finally gotten it out of my head. You're right. You are a bad person. And to be honest, I hope your big announcement is a beeping dud. Gotta go back to work humming Bandito rhymes to myself. So have a crappy day, Jesse. <laughs> Oh. Oh, you mean this song? Turn it up, Chris!
2: I want fritos corn chips. I'll get them from you. Ay, 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 ay. Oh, I am the frito bandito. Give me fritos corn chips and I'll be your friend. The frito bandito you must not offend. Munch, munch.
1: Oh, that's so beautiful. I expect nothing but love in my email inbox tomorrow over playing you that beautiful jam. Once again, remember all your emails go right to Jewish producer Chris. He prints them off for me. I read all of them and we have a good time. This one says, hey, Jesse, I've been binge listening to the dictators podcast last week or so and find it quite good. I'm sure a community college-educated guy such as yourself has already listened to every episode. It struck, it struck me that many, especially some of the 20th century dirtbags, had a fairly privileged and affluent childhoods. They were not gutter trash or abused kids that were looking for revenge. What can you make of this? Okay, one, I have actually listened to a lot of the uh, Dictators podcast. Oh, he does sign P.S., Ryan, he says, I can use his name Ryan, and he says, P.S., I know what it's like to be a handsome 39-year-old, but not at your level. I do not let my wife listen to your show for the same reason she's not allowed to watch Chris Hemworth movies. Love the show. <laughs> all right. He's right, by the way. It is amazing how many—and yes, I have heard that podcast. I don't think it's bad. I, I don't think it's bad at all. Uh, I, I, try not, I, I try not to trash— other shows ever, other podcasts ever. I-, I won't tell you it's one of my favorites. Uh, the hosts of that particular podcast have hosted others, and you're getting a bit more of a, gosh, see, I'm violating my own rules on trashing things. You're getting a different angle on history than I prefer. I'll just leave it at that, okay? It's it's not necessarily my angle. I have heard it purely for information reasons. It's not bad. Feel free to go listen to it. But as far as the dictators having affluent backgrounds lots of the time, that's 100% true. Lots of the time they did, at least fairly affluent. And there's a reason for that. You you have wants in life, don't you? And forget about wants. Let's go to absurd things. You remember I was talking the other day how I want a private jet. Obviously, I can't afford a private jet. I'm never going to have a private jet. Even if I could afford one, I mean, the money wasting is so bad. I don't want to sound like Chris here, but I can't waste that kind of money. I just can't do it. But, you know, on your wish list, you know, what would be on it? Let's let's do this little experiment with you, and I want you to think about this because we're coming up on a break, okay? All of a sudden, I hand you $100 billion. $100 billion. You can have whatever you want. Whatever you want, we're coming up on a break here. I want you to pause. I want you to use this break, one, listening to our wonderful advertisers, and two, thinking about an actual list of what that is. Have four or five things in your mind, what it is. Anything you want. Remember, 100 billion, trillion, whatever, unlimited money. Whatever you want. Brew on that for a moment, and I'll tell you where I'm going with this. Hang on. The Jesse Kelly Show, 877-377-4373, jesse at jessekellyshow.com. I am going to get to this valedictorian speech in about 10 minutes, probably less than that. I may get to it next, being too Christian. We're going to get to Robert Mueller and what's coming next for him. And also MSNBC, they're getting crushed Because they put a little blip at the bottom of their screen when they showed Governor Greg Abbott of Texas. He's in a wheelchair, you know. He's paralyzed. And on the bottom of their screen, they said Texas two-step. Taking a little jab at Greg Abbott. What's my take on something like that? Because everyone on the right's outraged about it. I'll be honest. My take is offensive, and it's not what you think. I'll give it to you next. Hang on.
2: Jesse Kelly Show. This is the Jesse Kelly Show.
1: It is the Jesse Kelly Show. And it's been a great day. And tomorrow's Friday. It's an Ask Dr. Jesse Friday. Gosh, I'm excited. Jesse at jessikellyshow.com. Get your questions in. We have my buddy with Newsweek, editor with Newsweek, law expert Josh Hammer coming up in 25 minutes. There's apparently, I have to explain why Josh Hammer is coming on. I just did this last minute. I didn't have another guest. But there is apparently some big Supreme Court case that was just ruled on. I had a, a, a thirty seconds during the break to try to read up on it. I have no idea what I'm reading here. I have no idea what this means. If this is a good ruling or a bad ruling, and Josh Hammer, every time we get him on, he has something smart to say about law in a way that you and I can understand him. And if he starts talking over our heads, don't worry, I'll stop him and bring him back to bring him back to you know a way I can understand it. <laughs> So there is apparently an important ruling. You and I are going to find out together in about 23 minutes exactly what the heck that means for us. Something? Nothing? Everything? Let's get to this. This is from foxnews.com. Michigan valedictorian speech censored, criticized as being very Christianized. (sighs) Savannah Leffler, she's a senior at John Glenn High School in Michigan, recently submitted a draft for an honors night speech, which contained language criticizing other philosophies and asserting that the purpose of life is to live a life devoted to to Christ. The school's principal responded in part by suggesting Leffler's speech wasn't inclusive enough of other faiths. Quote, we have a diverse student body and staff is one of the things I love about the John Glenn community. That diversity goes well beyond race and ethnicity. It certainly would include religious beliefs as well. We have students and staff who identify as Jewish, Muslim, Buddhist, Hindu, Sikh, Jehovah's Witness, Atheist, etc. We must be inclusive and respectful of their beliefs as well. Well, let's be honest about a couple things here. Let's have an uncomfortable talk, you and I. One, if this was an atheist submitting a speech about how there is no God, nothing would have been censored and everyone knows it. What we have is an extremely anti-Christian and increasingly anti-Jewish left in this country. There's a reason for that. The reason is not complicated, and I don't know why everyone wants to dance around it. The reason is because Jews and Christians believe in one God, So do communists, and he's a competing God. It's not more complicated than that, okay? They believe in one God, we believe in one God, and they don't think you should be able to worship yours. Setting that aside, let's have an uncomfortable talk about religion. You know, they say you're never supposed to talk about it on the show, so I talk about it all the time. You know, I don't preach to you because, I mean, who's less qualified to preach to you than me? I'm not not telling you anything, but religions are exclusive. That's what they all are for the most part. None of them are inclusive. They're all exclusive. Why do we have to dance around this? I mean, I'm not going to sit here and speak on behalf of Muslims or Sikhs or Jehovah's Witness or anyone else. I can say, though, Christians believe you believe Jesus is the Son of God or you're going to hell. That's in, that in and of itself is the entire basis for the belief system. That's, as, that's about as exclusive as it gets. Believe this or you're going to burn in hell. That's exclusive, but that's religion. That's what they are. Just because people are scared to talk about it, that's what they are. That's what people believe. Shouldn't we be allowed to say what we believe? I mean, if she's a Muslim and wants to give a valedictorian speech about Allah, do we want her stopped? Or do we want to know what she believes? I don't care that it's I don't care that it's exclusive, that she, that her belief system would disagree with mine. I don't I don't get intimidated when people have other beliefs. That's probably the reason I talk about it so much, because it doesn't bother me at all. I don't care if you have other beliefs than mine. It doesn't matter to me at all. You believe what you believe. Religion is exclusive. All that aside, though, you think it's an accident that all the left-wing street groups immediately started becoming pro-Palestine recently, pro-Hamas recently. What? Why do you think that is? There was that hilarious internet video that went around that a uh, gay rights group had a big gay parade or uh, gay pride parade. And they had pro-Palestine signs where, I mean, they would all be, they would all be killed in Palestine, every one of them, for, their, for what they believe. Why do you think that is? Well, I'll tell you what. Hang on to that because I have something that ties right into it. Headline, Robert Mueller to teach class on Mueller investigation. He's going to lead a class at the University Virginia School of Law. The guy who did a two-year witch hunt gets a job teaching at the University of Virginia. Prestigious school, by the way. Well, what does that have to do with gay pride people being pro-Hamas? The system protects its own. And the system has no use or time for the God of Jews the God of Christians because he's a competitive God. I don't care if you're an atheist, I'm not preaching at you about what to believe, but you better understand it's not an accident all the communist street groups who have nothing in common with Palestine and in fact would be slaughtered upon their entry into Palestine. It's not an accident they're all of a sudden pro-Hamas. What? You're a gay rights group and you're pro-Hamas? That doesn't make sense. Yes, it does if you realize they're all just part of the system. The system takes care of its own. Robert Mueller can embarrass himself with a two-year witch hunt investigation where he withheld the knowledge that Donald Trump, remember he knew Donald Trump didn't collude with Russia far ahead of the midterms and chose to keep that information secret to help Democrats finish his investigation with no results whatsoever. What's his punishment? Hey, it's University of Virginia. Just got hired. You can be your gay rights group. And this is about gays and transgenders and all the other questioning. I don't know. I can't keep track of all these weird words. Oh, wow. Hamas is shooting rockets into Israel? Oh, man. Hamas must be right. Why? Because they're all just part of the system. They're not separate groups. Robert Moeller. He's just the same as Black Lives Matter and LGBTQ and the climate change nut jobs and the feminists and the media in Hollywood. They're all just part of the system. They all bow to the same God, and it ain't yours. Understand what you're facing right now. Mr. Jesse, easy on the eyes. Kelly, I like that one, Chris. What? I thought of what? That was pretty on point. Anyway, you are dead wrong about people being scammed by climate change. What I said yesterday, I think it was yesterday, I don't know, I don't keep track of things I say. What I said yesterday was uh, the, the whole Black Lives Matter thing, th- look, the bloom is clearly off the rose. People are starting to wake up that, wow, these are really scumbag people. They aren't in it for black people at all. These are just a bunch of scumbags. And so they're going to move on. They're going to move on. This whole race obsession thing, it doesn't last. The public's way sick of it. They're rolling their eyes now. It's, it's, they're going to move on. And it was suggested to me that people were going to move on to climate change. You know, that'll be their next thing. Oh, the world's going to end the ice caps, You know, acid rain, all the stuff we've always heard. Hurricanes, oh, we're all going to burn. All the, all, the, all, the, all the doomsday stuff you're fed by the climate people all the time. And I said, I don't buy it. Because people aren't buying it. I have an email here that made me think twice. Hang on.
0: keep hearing that we need to reach 70%. Why is the 70% number so effective? So important rather, important. You know, we want to get the majority of America vaccinated, and after we get to 70%, my goal is going to be to get to 80%. I think what we really understand is that this virus is an opportunist, and it will go to places where people are not vaccinated. And so um, you are safe if you are vaccinated. You are not safe if you are not vaccinated, and, and my job is to keep America safe. So we will work to get to 70% on June 4th, and then we will continue to work to get beyond that.
1: That's the CDC. These people have no idea what they're doing. None. Remember that hard talk we had? The people in charge of you are not smarter than you, not better informed and they don't care about you. There's no better example of that than the CDC. Oh, and by the way, Center of Disease Control, you're also not at risk for this virus if you're a kid. Frankly, you don't appear to be at risk of this virus if you're under 80 and, and not obese. That's Who's dying from it? That's who's severely hurt by it. But, you know, we're not allowed to talk about that. It is the Jesse Kelly Show, 877-377-4373, jesse at jessekellyshow.com. Back to this email I got, because I said climate change thing is going to be the next thing they're going to try to push, and it's not going to work. This guy disagrees. Mr. Jesse Easy on the Eyes Kelly. I had, to, I had to read the opening again, Chris. You are dead wrong about people being scammed by climate change. Everyone in their family, everyone in my family would give their left arm to fight climate change. Maybe it's because I'm in Connecticut in U, Texas. For a lot of people in deep blue states, this is their number one issue. Also, I picked up my buddy's daughter at the airport after her first semester at college, and all I heard the whole ride is climate change is going to kill us. I think the right is asleep on this issue and once again, they keep going along with the commies and voting for small implementations. A little here, a little there. COVID has proven that the majority opinion is meaningless to a certain extent. We have a system worshiping of carb- carbon levels. While we're at war with election COVID mass CRT, they are encroaching with climate. See ya. I don't necessarily think he's wrong. I don't necessarily, this, is, this, is, this is the truth of it. I think I'm right when I say most people don't care about climate change, even the ones who act like they care. But he does bring up a good point. The younger generation, which is the one that's going to take over, they care a lot. I've told you before about my Republican neighborhood and how I hang out with, I mean, it's not as if we talk politics. We hardly ever do, but pretty much all my neighbors are Republicans. Just standard Texas suburbs. Almost to a man, their kids, their teenage kids, are gravely concerned about climate change. The system has pushed this into kids at the earliest age. Kids are worried about carbon. I've seen Republicans, Republicans you would know, who I will not name now because they're not right here on the air, Republicans you would know, running ads on TV, talking about reducing carbon emissions surrendering the battlefield immediately. The point is the majority of people don't care, but the people in positions of power do young people and the people in the system. Now, no, I don't think John Kerry and Nancy Pelosi and all these idiots actually care, but they, they're smart enough to realize there's real power here. There's real money and power in this whole business. Don't forget, Al Gore, was, uh, Al Gore didn't have any money or power by the time he left. Al Gore made a pile of money selling this junk science to the masses. I mean, look, John Kerry is John a great example. I'm glad I brought him up. You remember John Kerry when he was asked why he flew private all over the world and he said this? On that issue, pollution, I understand that you came here with a private jet. Uh, is that an environmental way to travel? If you offset your carbon,
3: it's the only choice for somebody like me who is traveling the world to
1: win this battle. For somebody like me. Remember, remember this I've told you a thousand times. Mao never missed a meal. Communism is never for the communists. It's always for everyone else. Always. Uh, AOC is getting blasted right now on social media. Absolutely blasted for sharing a picture of her grandma's home and the bad conditions she's living in. And everybody is crushing her, saying, you make like $175,000 a year. Go give her some money. Help her out. Because she was advocating, of course, you blamed it on Trump and all this other stuff. Look, it would never even occur to AOC to personally help. No, I th- what? It would, never, it would never occur to her to personally help. Speaking of help, I'm a very proud father today. The other day I was having a conversation with my sons. I do that from time to time. Apparently you have to talk to them. But we were talking about when I kicked them out of the house. I've, I've told my sons their whole life, when they graduate high school, they're kicked out of my house. And no, I'm not kidding. They know they know. I'm serious about it. Go fly, little birdie. You go learn how to live on your own. Go be poor. Get a crappy apartment in the bad part of town somewhere. Go figure out how to survive. That's, I think it's important. I moved out the second I graduated. So did my sister. That's just how the Kellys do it. You get out. I love you. You want to come home every now and then and get a home-cooked meal? Fine. But you get out. Go live. And so we've taught them to be very independent. Again, I do not raise my kids to make their lives easier. I raise my kids knowing I only have a limited amount of time to teach them how to survive in this world, and then they're gone. So we're purposeful about that stuff. So my kids, my kids have been packing their own lunches for school for years. My kids will go turn on the stove and make a a can of beefaroni or something like that. Go make a sandwich. Go slice up some fruit. Go. We're not slicing up their steak for them if they get one. Go. Here's a steak knife and a fork. Cut your own daggone meat. That We've raised them to be independent. We go to the airport. I've told you this before. I recommend it. When we get through security. Son, where are we going? Here's the plane ticket. Uh, uh, I don't know. Well, you think I magically know? Figure it out. Flight number is right here. Go follow some signs. Figure, you know, Just use your head. So the other day, I was talking to my sons about them moving out and how they're going to be poor. And I was just simply explaining to them, look, I've been poor, son. There's nothing better than eggs. Learn how to make eggs a dozen different ways. Eggs are a superfood. They're outstanding for you, and they're dirt cheap. You can eat a lot of meals, and believe me, I have, on eggs, butter, and bread. And those things do not cost a lot of money. Eggs, butter, and bread. So you need to, in preparation of being poor, learn how to cook eggs. So I took my oldest over there, and I showed him just how to make basic scrambled eggs. Nothing fancy, just salt, pepper, butter, in a pan, whatnot, scrambled eggs. We finally I told you we bought them a phone a little while ago they share it you know we finally got them a better phone so we can get a hold of them and whatnot right before the show started I showed you as pro- Jewish producer Chris my son texted me a picture of his scrambled eggs and said I made these proud as can be I made these by myself and I know that's not exactly a great moment but look my kids are Kelly's we're never going to have a valedictorian all right do you have to set small goals when you're Kelly's but My son got up this morning, grabbed a frying pan and the butter and the spatula and everything else and went up to the stove and made himself his own daggone scrambled eggs. And look, for a Kelly, I mean, that's the best we can hope for, right? I tell you all the time not to send your kids to college, that's not even going to be an option for my boys. (laughs) I'm kidding. They actually both made the honor roll this year and whatnot. They're, They're pretty smart, just like their dad, Chris, just like their dad. I tell him all the time. I make sure I take the time, and I tell him, do you have any idea how lucky you are to have me? Coming up next, Josh Hammer. He's going to explain why in the world the Supreme Court decision matters. Or does it? Hang on. Is there anything worse than lawyers? Anyway, joining me now, my buddy, syndicated columnist, it's so good to see him achieving such big success, syndicated columnist, opinion editor at Newsweek, Josh Hammer. Josh, there's some new Supreme Court ruling out six to three. I took about 30 seconds and tried to read up on it. I have no idea what any of these words mean. What does this ruling mean? (laughs)
2: Jesse, it's always great to be back with you. Um, so this is kind of, I guess it's one of the first opinions that we see with this new conservative court, where we kind of see the conservative justices start to fracture among themselves. So it's not a constitutional case. I mean, it's not, you know, it's not like we're interpreting the first or the fourth amendment or some major constitutional
1: provision like that.
2: It's a statutory case. It's uh, the
1: consumer fraud. Hold on, hold on, pause. What does statutory mean?
2: <laughs> so we're dealing with a statute. That was um, that was, you know, it it was it was passed by Congress and signed into law by a president. Okay, Okay? so it's a it's a bill that was signed into law. Um, And, um, you know, the specific kind of legal question here is kind of a little in the weeds. The the fact pattern, however, is kind of hilarious. Um, Basically, what happened in the fact pattern here is a police officer became friends with a criminal. He asked the criminal for a loan. The criminal effectively tries to blackmail the officer in return while the criminal was under investigation by the feds. So the feds wired the criminal, who was, you know, he's, he's helping the feds at this point, and then asked the officer to run a license plate search to see if a stripper was secretly a federal agent. The officer runs the search, gets arrested by the feds because, again, the criminal was at this point working undercover. So the basic kind of legal question here, so the officer had permission to use the license plate database for legitimate purposes, but he obviously did not have permission to help the criminal. So with that as backdrop, backdrop, the, the, the technical legal question that the court was asked to decide is whether under the language of this statute, the Consumer Fraud and Abuse Act, whether this unauthorized use of the license plate database violated the law. Um, so uh, kind of convoluted, uh, you know, what's going on here. So the majority opinion is written by Justice Amy Coney Barrett um, effectively says, no, the officer had permission to use the license plate database, even though he misused it in this particular case. The dissent, which is written by Justice Clarence Thomas, you know, the greatest justice from my perspective, arguably in the history of the United States Supreme Court, Um, the dissent says that um, the officer did not have permission to use the license plate database in this respect. So it's interesting. We're we're starting to see kind of um, the dividing lines here. Um, It's it's just an interesting divide. The the three dissenters, you have Justice Thomas, you have the chief justice, you know, who's kind of infamously wobbly, and then Justice Alito, who's also a very strong conservative, um, which means that you have Kavanaugh and Barrett um, in the majority. So um, just very interesting kind of split here. Uh, The fact pattern, however, is what I thought that you would appreciate because it's pretty, pretty freaking funny.
1: Yes, that actually is hilarious and way more interesting than I thought it was going to be. All right, setting aside the dirty cops and dirty criminals and strippers and feds and everything else, how are Donald Trump's three justices? actually doing from the one of the only people I would trust to give me an honest assessment of Amy Coney Barrett and Brett Kavanaugh and Gorsuch? Are they a huge disappointment? Are they knocking it out of the park? What are they? How are they doing, Josh?
2: So it's it's really too early to tell for Amy Coney Barrett. Um, I, I will say the early signs, the early tea leaves are not great Um, she, she was, she was not super aggressive, certainly in kind of like the election litigation. She didn't, you know, she, she she didn't help to bring the kind of Pennsylvania case with, with with all the nonsense that was happening in Pennsylvania during, during the election in particular to the court, but the jury is really still out on her. Um, I, I I am cautiously optimistic that she'll hold true, especially in kind of these more cultural war kind of cases. I mean, I, you know, it's hard to, It's hard to see Amy Coney Barrett going wobbly on like religious liberty or abortion, for example, right? Um, That's kind of like in her DNA. Gorsuch, I have more issues with with Justice Gorsuch, to be honest with you. Um, He's kind of a curious figure, actually, because in some ways he's very similar to Clarence Thomas, kind of his willingness to revisit old flawed precedents. He's very aggressive on that, which I appreciate. But he has this very, very, very strong libertarian streak that I disagree with, Um, and and I'm kind of worried about how that's going to play out. Okay, hold, not, on,
1: hold on, hold on, on Gorsuch again. We're speaking with Josh Hammer, syndicated columnist, opinion editor, Newsweek. What does that mean? He has a libertarian streak. What's what? Why? What's he doing?
2: So I can pinpoint just a couple of cases. Right. Um, there was a 2018
1: case. This
2: is actually a case that came out the year that I was uh, clerking for for a federal judge down 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 Texas, and was, the case called Sessions versus Demaya. And it was a five-four decision. Um, Boris has joined the four at the time, the four liberals, because Ginsburg was still alive. Um, and it was one of the first times in the history of the of the United States that the court effectively invalidated an immigration enforcement provision. Um, you know, under under what um, lawyers and judges usually call this so-called plenary power doctrine, Congress is, is generally understood to have full unquestioned authority to enforce sovereignty. But in this particular case, the court said that a certain provision pertaining to due process for deporting aliens was, quote unquote, unconstitutionally void for vagueness. It was too vague, essentially, the due process was not given. I think it was a very flawed argument. Um, it, was a kind of a, it was kind of a form of, of literalism. It was kind of a reading a legal text literally as opposed to kind of its common sense meaning. And it kind of gets you a kind of more libertarian outcome. And he's done this a couple of other times too. There was kind of a criminal case, the Carpenter versus the United States. It was kind of a police Fourth Amendment kind of case where it seemed to me like he was coming out a little too pro, pro-criminal, not um, probably not deferential enough to the police as far as these very difficult, thorny policing actions are concerned. So this, 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 and then, of course, there was a massive case last term, um, Title VII, uh, you know, dealing with employment discrimination in the Civil Rights Act, where Justice Gorses wrote the majority opinion. And it's an opinion that I've criticized repeatedly, um, where he basically construed the word sex in the Civil Rights Act as meaning sex, sexual orientation, or gender identity, which is Mooney Tunes stuff. That's crazy, obviously. So he actually worries me a little bit. Ugh. To be honest with you, he, he's strong. He, he's very strong on some stuff. He, 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 he's a difficult guy to to make sense of. To be honest with you, um, Kavanaugh is is interesting. I, 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 I he. I mean, he, Kavanaugh. He, I think the way to understand Brett Kavanaugh, honestly, is like I mean, he was like a George Bush White House guy, right? He had a very high ranking position in the George Bush White House. He's very much kind of just like an establishment Republican, and that's really the best way to understand Brett Kavanaugh. But you know, there was this long McKay Coppins essay in the Atlantic Magazine a week or two ago, and it was it was long. I frankly, we fully can, with you only skimmed it. But the upshot of that essay was basically that it seems like, especially after what happened to him in his confirmation hearing, that Kavanaugh is at this point kind of seeking liberal approval,
1: which oh, obviously, gosh. of course, together. of course exactly. he is. So
2: yeah, the last thing that you and
1: I want to hear, of course. Ugh, all right, Josh Hammer, go read his stuff. Appreciate you, man, very much. Making us smarter today. You bet, anytime. <sighs> Chris, that wasn't very encouraging at all. That sucked. <laughs> Our justices always turn out to suck. Why? In Clarence Thomas, he's like the best. He's 9,000 years old, man. And we need Clarence Thomas. We need him to hang on forever, at least until we get a Republican. I I mean, I don't know. Maybe it was a mistake when he didn't check out when Trump was there. Or maybe considering the new ones, how bad they suck. Maybe he did the right thing. All right. Everyone's overreacting to this Texas two-step thing. Hang on. I'll, I'll explain.
0: the filibuster, Willie, it seems to me that we have a
1: choice. I mean, we can either have um, the Senate institution, uh, some of these procedures that have been in place for, for quite some time protected, or we can actually have
0: a branch of government protected, which Really can't get anything done. You look at the last six years of Barack Obama's presidency; next to nothing got done because Republicans wouldn't pass anything. Please, somebody tell me the biggest la- what landmark bill did Barack Obama pass the last six years? Nothing, because they
1: shut him down. And now the last where Trump had a tax cut—that's about it.
0: I mean, that's about it.
1: So- yeah. That's the idea. <laughs> this is, you know, how many people get themselves in trouble? It's the Jesse Kelly Show, 877 377 4373, jesse at jessekellyshow.com. You know how people get themselves in trouble so much? So much. They get themselves in trouble by doing something, by feeling like I have to do something. Being content just remaining is one of the most underrated qualities out there. Uh, What's a great example of this? Candy. Reese's peanut butter cups are the ultimate example for this. They are the ultimate example. I don't care about your opinion on the matter. The truth is the Reese's peanut butter cup is perfect. It's perfect in every way. It's the perfect flavor. It's the perfect peanut butter to chocolate ratio. It's the perfect thing. Yet every single time, every single time you walk in a gas station, you are bludgeoned by a brand new Reese's peanut butter cup display. Uh, Come try our new Reese's with pickles. It's always something new. Why does this happen? Do you really think the new Reese's with pickles is a great seller? No. It happens because the people who make Reese's, I think it's Hershey's, I'm not sure, but the the, the guys who are running the Reese's department over there, they have meetings where they talk about profits and sales and things like that, and there are guys who are in charge of ideas, and you don't get to justify your million-dollar-a-year job, $100,000-a-year job, I don't know. You don't get to justify your high-paying corporate executive job by having an ideas meeting and sitting down and saying, I think we should just keep selling the old Reese's Peanut Butter cups." Why? Well, they're already a great seller and they're better than everything else and all the new stuff we put out is crap. You don't get to keep your job that way. You have to be new ideas guy. News does this all the time. That's why you see panels on the news with like nine people on them. Let me, let me clue you in on something here. The more people you see on a panel, the less talented the people on the panel are. You don't need nine people to do a television show. You need one or two if they're good enough. If you have nine, it's because you don't have one. But how does that happen? Well, you're the new fresh face producer What does this show need? Oh, I've got an idea. Why don't we add someone? Why? The show was fine. All right, I have to talk about this. MSNBC showed a picture of Greg Abbott, Texas Governor Greg Abbott. He's paralyzed. They showed a picture of him, and the little Chiron at the bottom said, Texas two-step. And people on the right freaked out. This is insensitive. They're making fun of him because he's paralyzed. This is outrageous. They can't do this. It's time for you and I to have a frank talk. Let's let's have a frank talk. Remember, it's not your mommy's show. It's your daddy's show. You ready for this? Buck up, buttercup. These people hate you. They hate everything about you they're going to mock and belittle every single thing about you. And if you are going to allow yourself to get outraged every time they say something inappropriate to you, You're going to be a miserable human being until the day you die. Because the second you show that outrage, they're not feeling bad. They're thrilled they got that reaction out of you. And they're going to do it again and again and again and again. So put down your swords on Facebook because your liberal cousin called you a Nazi. I'm not a Nazi. You should see all my black friends. And oh, it's so your defense is twice as cringy as the actual criticism. Just ignore them. I got a text last night from a famous reporter friend of mine, very famous, and another famous reporter had blasted my friend publicly. blasted. him. And this reporter buddy of mine texts me and says, did you see what what so-and-so said? And you know what I texted back? This is no joke. You know what I texted back? Why do you care what so-and-so said? And there was this long pause. And you know what I got? Yeah, you're right. Who cares? Buck up. We're going to need thicker skin and a whole lot of toughness to overcome what's coming. Hang on. I'm not quite done. jesse kelly show and tomorrow tomorrow is an ask dr jesse friday email me your love your hate your death threats and your ask dr jesse questions jesse at jesse jesse at jesse they do not have to be political they certainly can be. It can be anything. History, travel, food, men, women, whatever the case may be. We are going to tell a history story tomorrow. It's going to be a good one. Hang on for this one. And then we are going to have some fun. And, yeah, of course, we're going to talk about some issues. But, gosh, tomorrow's Friday, man. The week has been heavy enough. It is time to tackle your hard questions tomorrow. Jesse at jessikellyshow.com. That's all. That's all.
2: Jesse Kelly Show.
1: You don't have to dip forever. You know that, right? You don't have to smoke forever. And the reason I say it like that is I have been that guy. I've been that guy. I dipped for so long. And what would happen is I would decide I'm going to quit. That's bad for me. I'm going to quit. I'm a man. I don't need any help. I'm just going to quit cold turkey. And I would fail time and time and time again. I tried things like the patch. It didn't work. Gum sunflower seeds I, I tried it all it's just a matter of finding the right thing to help you quit that's Jake's mint chew go put in your dip just make sure it's Jake's mint chew it's tobacco free it's nicotine free it's even sugar free and I highly recommend just a personal choice I highly recommend their CBD pouches because it really helps take that extra edge off get a jake's mint chew.com that's Jake's mint Chew.com. Make sure you use the promo code Jesse at checkout. When you do that, you get 10% off.
0: Chumba, Chumba. No Forward, by law. Eighteen plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
4: One of the best shows of the year, according to Apple, Amazon, and Time, is back for another round.
1: We had a big bear of a man who was called Mal Evans, he was on roadie, and uh, I was coming back on the plane, and he said, "Will you pass the
3: salt and pepper?" And I misheard him. <laughs> I said, "What, salt and pepper?"
4: Listen to Season 2 of McCartney A Life in Lyrics on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.